When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome aboard, folks, to episode 11 of Talk is Cheap, our New York Giants podcast on NJ.com. They've let us get past episode number 10 into, the, into number 11, which means we're off and running now, guys. We, we've cleared 10 podcasts, and once you do that, I feel like you're, you're legit in iTunes, and, and no one can say you're not a serious podcast anymore. We, we've made it big, Joe. We've made it big. I, I think, you know, the confetti's falling on my head here in my office. Just, How about just, you, Nick? You were as excited as Jordan with the confetti coming down? Are you kidding me? Shattering. We're, we're breaking ground here. Shattering milestones and, and all that all that good stuff. We are breaking records. So we have, uh, I'm with you here, Joe. We have Nick. We have Jordan. And we're talking Giants here as we wrapped up minicamp last week. And now it's a little bit of a hiatus, a little bit of downtime, at least for you guys, hopefully, before you, you know, basically you guys are just married to the Giants for months and months starting in August. So let's rewind a little bit. Your thoughts on minicamp, a, a couple thoughts from each of you on what you saw last week. We'll start with Jordan. Well, I mean, you saw a team that isn't the team that's going to be out there for the regular season, you hope. You know, that's the thing is you got to cross your fingers, and we talk about this a lot, but, you know, they were they were down about six starters uh, certain days, seven, one I think it was, seven starters one day. So it was an opportunity for guys to – you to get a look at a bunch of guys that have an opportunity here to, you know, sort of make their mark. And the Giants have a lot of those spots and a lot of those players. And it was a big opportunity for some guy like I thought Cooper Taylor really stepped up and took took advantage of it. Uh, a guy like Corey Washington continuously made plays. Uh, these are two guys that, that kind of stuck out to me. So it was an opportunity for some of these guys to show. And, and we'll see a training camp how healthy these other guys could stay. How about you, Nick? Yeah, I mean, I think the the main thing you see in minicamp is is a team kind of trying to try to answer all the questions that that they're going to have going in training camp in terms of in terms of, you know, who's going to be, you know, who might who might deserve some some practice rep additional reps in training camp. Um, you know, who what are the what are the rotations going to be like in terms of starters and second unit? Um, so we, you know, we you saw the Giants just kind of throwing a lot of guys, um, a lot of different combinations out there. Uh, that's pretty much the that's the main thing you can really glean from minicamp since they are just running around in uh, in t-shirts and shorts really with no with no hitting. So, you know, you saw as for instance on the defensive line, obviously with with Jason Pierre-Paul not in camp, you saw them mix in guys like George Selvey, Kerry Wynn. Uh, we saw even you know Oa Odegazua getting some some reps in there. Um, but he did play. Uh, you know there was more than just that. There was Ayers was out. Demontre didn't play. So really, there were you know 
short over there. Right, exactly. So there's, so there's seeing, you know, it's, it's a good, the good thing about, you know, or if if it, if it can be called a good thing, the good thing about not having those guys um, around is you can kind of see what, you can evaluate what you have in your, in your backups. And I think you saw the same thing on the, on the offensive line with, uh, with BD out, you know, obviously Flowers guy gets the first crack at left tackle, but then you saw guys kind of being, Rotated in. Justin Pugh got some reps at that spot. Brandon Mosley even played a little bit of tackle. Um, so that's really, you know, that's that's the main takeaway. You just kind of see what combinations are working. Um, you, you know, you kind of have a, a checklist. You you try to you know mark off before training camp, and then you go in and and hopefully most of the guys that are you know projected to start like Pierre Paul and and, and some of the others will be uh, will be available come July thirtieth. Yeah, big thing. Spag said it. The, the number one thing you learn. The number one thing you learn. Oh, who's calling? Spags. Spags. Hey, he just called me and told me that the number one thing you learn is how guy, how guys are able to learn. Uh, you know how much they're able to pick up and how quickly they are and how much you know how how you could teach. You know how I don't know. Teachable isn't the right word, but uh, you know how open and willing and able these players are to being able to learn what they're being and process the information they're being given, which is a big in this part with the defense of the learning a new system this year, which was big for the offense last year, learning what they could do on offense. That's a major thing, obviously, and especially if these players are going to go from, you know, just being good in the system to being great in the system and, and taking the Giants to another level. So, guys, I wanted to mention this and, uh, and get your thoughts on it. I'm sure you've seen on the site we're doing – uh, a little contest, a little poll with our readers and our listeners uh, to name the greatest living giant of all time. And I think we can probably all agree that the winner of this thing is probably predetermined. Lawrence Taylor, it's going to be tough for anyone to upset him. But I do think... And, and Nobody's maybe, beaten LT, no doubt. No, no one's beaten LT. Oh. But I do think it's interesting to see who might be there with him at the end. So we're going to have four heats of ten players. We have 40 players all together that are in this you know, first running here. And then we're going to narrow it down to the final... You know, 12 or so, the top top three from each heat, and they'll go against each other to see who, but basically to see who finishes second to Lawrence Taylor will be the really interesting thing. But I'm interested in your thoughts on uh, who you guys think might be there in the end, specifically maybe the current Giants, because there's a good number of them um, on this Giants team right now, or at least that have been there recently, that are in top 40 Giants, you know, living Giants. So I wonder what you guys think in terms of the current Giants that might be there as we move through this thing? Well, it's obviously interesting to see where Eli's going to land. Uh, you know, the most recent guys, they have an opportunity because they're, they're freshest in everyone's mind to really make a mark. So I think Eli, coming off a good year, two Super Bowls, it'll be very interesting because, you know, he's there's sort of like two ends of the spectrums with Eli, and I think most people are on the positive side. But on the flip side, you know, there's some people that are negative, always negative about him, but he has two Super Bowls and is the probably the most and is the most successful quarterback in franchise history. So I think he'll get a lot of respect in this one. Uh, I think a guy, some of the older guys too. It'll be interesting to see how the split between like the uh, you know sort of like the old heads and, and the new age are really split on this one. The Frank Giffords of the world out there. I'm, I'm kind of curious how Frank Giffords going to do in the, in in this uh, competition. So. Uh, you know, there, there's, uh, there's a, a bunch of different guys that should be interesting. I mean, even the Tiki Barbers of the world, I think Tiki's an interesting guy. And I think a, a, there's a lot of sentimentality for some of these 
old, not, I say old, but recent Giants offensive linemen who had a lot of success. I, I almost sort of expect the David Deals of the world, the Chris Snees of the world to kind of do well in this. David D did make it, did he? Right, Joe? David Deal is part of the 40. He is in there. Okay. I'm with, I'm with you, Jordan, when it comes to Tiki. I'm actually looking at, so we have the first, uh, Monday, the first leg went up, so the first it 10. It didn't go smoothly for Tiki at the end, though, you know? So there was a lot of people that, that were fed up with Tiki. Uh, and, you right, know, no, there were. I'm looking at the voting right now as, as we record this podcast and Tiki in the first leg. So, I mean, you need to be towards the top of this to move on to the next round. Uh, he's seventh out of the 10 up right now, and, and he's getting a lot of down votes. You could upvote or downvote. Uh, it's amazing because if you look at his career, you would think he, he deserves more support than that. To, I would think he's probably good enough to, to move on through this contest at least a, a round or two, but it doesn't look like he's going to. Yeah, I mean, he's the great, he's the best Giants running back I've seen in my lifetime, I'll tell you that much. I mean, I, I don't think the uh, Andersons of the world and Joe Morris is the world, to be honest with you, or, or even close to Tiki Barber. Well, I think what's going to be interesting with Barber, I think um, – is you know it's comparing him comparing the upvotes he gets to guys like like Ahmad Bradshaw who you know obviously was a solid good running back with the Giants but whose standing among fans is probably a little bit inflated by the fact that he was a member of the Super Bowl teams um, and for that matter not even just with with Bradshaw but some of the other guys that that were you know so so loved on those teams the Chris Snees. Justin Tucks, you know, does does the fact that they they've got the the Super Bowl rings elevate their their status on this list? Um, you know, I think with some of the younger fans that might be the case. Yeah, this will be fun to watch. So we put the uh, the polls up every Monday and then have the voting through, go through the week and then we'll pick a couple out. They'll move on and, and we'll keep going here. And this will lead all the way up to training camp. So this will be fun for the next month and uh, we'll keep talking about it. On our podcast. All right, so guys, we asked for some questions from listeners uh, for a little mailbag type of segment here on this week's podcast, and we have some. So you guys ready? Let's do it. All right, here we go. First one comes in from Jim. Uh, he wants to know, with the Giants linebacking core, he said he keeps reading from you guys and, and elsewhere that this is going to be one of the worst linebacking cores in the NFL. Are you guys on board with that, or are they going to surprise? We'll start with you, Nick. Um, yeah, so we've actually we've touched on this a little bit uh, over the last couple weeks with with some of our blog posts. Um, you know, it, it's 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 easy on paper to say that the Giants didn't really improve much in their linebacking unit. They basically are returning most of the same starters, uh, with the exception of J, uh, J.T. Thomas probably replacing Jaquan Williams from last year. Williams was was injured for most of the year anyway. Uh, or at least half the year, I should say. Um, uh, look, I, it, it's all so much is dependent on John Beeson's health. Uh, if he can, if he can stay healthy for even 14 games this year, that'll be a huge lift for the defense. Assuming he still has some of that that speed and and kind of run stuffing ability that he showed in his in his first year with the Giants. But if they're going to get a diminished version of Beeson, who really can't do much in pass coverage, is a step slower than he used to be because of that toe injury. Um, then they're, they're, they're kind of in trouble, and they don't really have a guy. You know, Jameel McLean saw some time in the middle last year and was, was adequate. JT Thomas has played some middle linebacker, but they don't really have a guy that can just step in and, and you know, be the, the, the field general if Beeson doesn't pan out. Um, and then JT Thomas is kind of the, the wild card along with Dev, Devon Kennard. He had, you know, kind of an okay year replacing Paul Puz, Puzlesny last year for, for Jacksonville. 
um, you know, where wherever he how how well he does is it will be you know kind of huge in determining where the Giants linebackers stand at the end of the you know at the end of the season. And Devon Kennard is is a guy that shows a lot of pass rushing ability, but you know, in such a small sample size, it's hard to say whether he can really extrapolate that. You know, he had four and a half sacks in, in I think about seven or eight games last year. Um, so if he can, if you know, over over 16 games, if he can add, you know, a few more to that to that number, that's a pretty good weapon to have on the outside. But so I don't think they're the worst. I definitely, by this is a long-winded way of saying, I think it's it's kind of a wait and see, and there are a lot of variables there. But to say that they're the worst right off the bat, I think there are some other units that that probably are, are a little a little more shallow than the Giants, but. That's just me. I think, I think when when the people are saying they're the worst, they're assuming they're working under the assumption that John Beeson's not going to stay healthy. Right. Uh, you yeah. know, or John Beeson's not going to be you know near what even the form that he was uh, two years ago at this point. Uh, if John Beeson stays healthy, if Devin, Devon Devon Kennard, I, can, I always want to say Devin, if Devon Kennard stays healthy, they'll be fine. But these are two guys. I mean, Devon Kennard's a young guy, second year guy who has. Uh, enough injuries for you to think he's a, a seasoned veteran. I mean, uh, you know, already two injuries this spring, uh, two injuries his, his uh, rookie year, uh, you know, a long uh, – he has some serious injuries in college, a serious injury in high school. So, you know, he also is a big question mark in regards to health. I and mean, for him, staying healthy is, is not your normal oh, second-year guy. He had a bad left break last year with injuries. He's now a guy with a lot of – a lot of injuries on on his uh, on the docket for him on his resume, so he is also a major concern. Now, and if, if those two guys are not completely healthy, yeah, this uh, the linebacking core is in major trouble, and they'll be horrible. So I think it's it's all dependent on how they how you view John Beeson. If you view him from the outside and say no chance he gets healthy, yeah, I think this has a potential to be one of the worst linebacking cores in the league. But if he is semi healthy, you know this this linebacking core could be decent especially if Kennard is the player that everyone's saying he could be. But, again, we got to see that. We don't really – nobody really knows. We only saw a little little snippets of Devon Kennard last year, and it was uh, it was promising for sure. Even in training camp, uh, in preseason, everything about it was promising. When he was on the field, it was promising. But what's not promising is his injury history. And another just quick thing to add about the Giants linebackers, and this is kind of an underrated concern, is, is can any of these guys hold up in pass coverage? You know, Beeson's 30, not getting any faster. Uh, you know, Kennard was, wasn't really tested much in pass coverage last year, but when he was, he was, you know, kind of exposed a little bit. JT Thomas is not great in that area, as, as you know, at least going off of his, his performance last year. So, you know, in a, in a league where there's a lot of good tight ends and, and covering the middle of the field was a real problem for the Giants last year, that's going to be something to watch going forward. A lot being placed on JT Thomas, which has to be on the, you know, which has to make you uh, a little weary about this line as well. Yeah, not exactly a guy with a major track record there. We're putting a lot no, on him. So, no, Gi- Giants linebacker. He, he, he was on waivers not too long ago. Right, and he's not exactly you know a household name, but the Giants are going to hope he can play and play a decent role for them this year. A uh, question here from Mark, and this is an interesting one because. I heard about this uh, from you guys, heard about it, you know, every time Eli was talked about, uh, and you don't hear much about Eli in terms of his game because, you know, we know what Eli is at this point of his career, but the one thing that kept coming up this offseason, I, I want your thoughts on it based on what you saw in minicamp and, 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 uh, and OTAs, that Eli worked with uh, some baseball people and trying to strengthen his arm 
and maybe develop more arm strength as he ages, which is you know kind of the opposite of what you would think. You think a quarterback gets older, maybe doesn't have quite the arm strength he used to. Does Eli's arm look stronger to you, or is it not you know appreciable enough for you to say, yeah, it looks it's it's better? I'll be honest. I, mean, I didn't I didn't look out there and say I thought Eli was uh, significantly improved in arm strength. Maybe you know he is a little bit, but uh, it wasn't to me a point where I th- I thought he was firing the ball around. I actually think Ryan Nassib throws the ball. Uh, with more velocity than Eli Manning at this point of his career. So uh, for, that's my opinion looking at a practice. Uh, but, you know, if, even if it's a little bit, it's a positive because, this is, you know, he's getting up there in years and you'd rather your your arm go, even if it's slightly in the in the right direction, uh, better off that than, than the alternative. Yeah, agreed. I didn't I – didn't, it didn't seem to me that there was some a very tangible difference in Eli's arm strength. You know, it's kind of hard to judge in, in these kind of practices, and they didn't. He didn't really throw many deep balls, um, so you don't really get get a, a sense necessarily of, of the philosophy, of the velocity and, and things like that. Um, but yeah, like Jordan said, if 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 that's if that's what the coaches are seeing, if that's what the players are seeing, then then that's great. It certainly can't hurt. Yeah, I don't think he was ever a cannon type guy anyway. You know, like uh, a Marino or an Elway or. Uh... Even like Kaepernick, you know, or McNabb, guys that really fire the ball with super velocity. He just needs to have sufficient arm strength, uh, and his mental game. Hopefully, you would assume at this point, especially in the second year of the offense, is progressed to the point where the arm strength really isn't as important at this point of his career, anyway. I agree with that. I never thought, even when he was a kid. I mean, he could always throw a nice deep ball, but you know, you talk about the outs and the passes around the outside. I'm with you, Jordan. He never had that. You know, the, the guys you mentioned, even the Joe Flacco, he never had that kind of arm, but he always had a good yeah. enough arm to make those throws. So, you know, even if he maintains, like you guys were saying, even if he just maintains and doesn't lose it as he gets older, uh, that's a positive for the Giants. Yeah, definitely. I think that that's sort of the goal here for him. And, you know, he's trying to prolong the career. And, uh, you know, fortunately he's been healthy, and his arm has been generally healthy, which is a good thing. And I think that helps with that arm strength because he hasn't had any arm problems throughout his career, really. But let's also, you know, I mean, keep in mind the the main thing as you even as you get older and you lose some of your arm strength, if you can maintain that accuracy, I think is even more important. I mean, we've seen with even Eli's with Eli's brother Peyton, you know, significantly reduced arm strength after all the you know the neck surgeries and things like that. And obviously, he's getting up, you know, pretty up there in age. Um, but you know, he he thrives on being you know pinpoint, you know, having pinpoint accuracy. So if you know, that's I think more if Eli can maintain the the completion percentage, which was really good last year, and you know, kind of maintain that or even get a you know a couple couple percentage points better. That's probably just as good as adding a couple ticks on his on his arm strength. Yeah, you know, you throw the ball a second earlier, and and all of a sudden that you know, and you're anticipating a little more, and it and that makes up for that half you know point whatever of a second of the, the ball takes longer to get there. So I think yeah, that all, yeah. all goes into the equation. And, uh, you know, I don't think that's a problem with Eli Manning at this point in his career. I don't think it's really anything to harp on. It's, too, as a, it's gonna, something that's going to make a substantial difference one way or another at this point with Eli Manning, uh, at least this year. All right, guys, we'll wrap this episode, episode 11 of Talk is Cheap, this one. Steve checked in with this question. Of all the safeties in camp, and I think he's under the assumption, and, and I think I am too, that Landon Collins is going to be a starter. Which of the other safeties, and we talk so, many, so much about all those names, which one, Steve wants to know, do you think fits best next to Landon Collins based on each of their skill sets? 
That's a good question. I mean, uh, we're going the, to be on fit here, correct? We're talking about fit, yeah. Okay. Right. So, so obviously, Cooper Taylor got uh, got a lot of the first team reps in in minicamp next to Collins, and he seemed, you know, he seemed to be comfortable out there in terms of, you know, he was, he was very vocal. You really, you heard him a lot on the practice field, um, you know, calling out signals and trying to get guys in the secondary lined up in the right places, which is good, you know, taking kind of ownership of that of that role. Um, but I actually don't necessarily think Taylor's the best fit next to Collins because they're both kind of similar type of safeties, big, you know, kind of, a, you know, have the label of box, you know, in the box type of type of players, big guys that like to play close to the line of scrimmage, kind of heavy hitting types. Um, in terms of fit next to Collins, assuming he's the starter, I think Burhe is a guy that, that you know, probably – blew a, a really good opportunity in minicamp to to take hold of that spot next to Collins. He's kind of a smaller guy. Uh, there's some questions about his, his speed and ability to play that kind of center field spot, in, you know, at free safety, but um, he could yeah, – I'm could not potentially... a big fan of – I'm not a huge fan. I mean, I remember watching tape of his uh, – college tape of his uh, – necessarily his instincts. He's more of like a run downhill kind of go get him guy. Right, right. So, so I actually think a, a sleeper to me is is Michael Thompson. It, see, Coughlin singled him out at the end of camp as as a guy who was really starting to pick pick things up. He had a little bit of a strained hamstring, I think, on that third day, and he, and he didn't practice much. Um, but he has kind of the the physical attributes. He's he's a rangy, more of a rangy player. Uh, kind of used to playing that center field spot. The question with him, and he talking to his position coach Dave Merritt, is. You know, can he can he improve his ball awareness because that was a big bugaboo for him at Texas. He didn't have a lot of a lot of picks, a lot of those kind of you know numbers that you like to see in in guys that are playing you know deep playing deep in that single high position most of the time. So he's he's a guy that I think in a perfect world he pans out and and eventually maybe not right away but but gets some some solid playing time next to Collins and it's kind of a complementary skill set. But that I don't know, Jordan, what do you think? I see. I'm actually going to go a little different because I think that Michael Thompson is probably so far away from being ready that I'm not. I wouldn't go with him there. I would actually go with Bennett Jackson because you got Landon Collins. Landon Collins is an ideal strong safety in the NFL. He can cover near the line of scrimmage. Uh, you'd rather not put him in the deep part of the field with any sort of regularity. He's a big guy. You look at him, not big in regards to, like, uh, you know, height, but he's definitely got – he's definitely, like, short, shortish, like, you know, solid, stocky kind of guy, I think. I don't know if I'm exactly explaining it perfectly, but he is solid, and he's best made to play near the line of scrimmage. So the best to me would be a straight cover guy on the back end. Doesn't have to be the best supporter against the run. You let Landon Collins handle much of that. So to me, I think Bennett Jackson – is the probably the best cover guy if he's completely healthy. I mean, he's got he's coming off a uh, you know microfracture surgery, but you know his cover skills and his ability to play the ball and be uh, sort of a, a deep end uh, center fielder. I think that kind of guy is the best. Now, is he caught up enough uh, to play safety? Is he caught up enough health health wise uh, to be a, a full time starter in the NFL? I don't know about that, but. Skill set wise, to me, the best fit is him because, like I said before, I watched Nat Burhey, and he's also, to me, he's more of a strong safety. If in an ideal world, if I had the opportunity, now the Giants are just going to put out the best two safeties on the field, and there's a decent shot that those 
best two guys are either Cooper Taylor and Landon Collins or Burhay and Collins, uh, one of the two probably most likely. And uh, they're just going to make do with their skill sets of what they have, even if not, none of those guys are really ideally made to be free safeties. Something tells me, guys, that we're going to be talking about this, and, and like we said, assuming Landon Collins is going to play and, and be part of the Giants to play a lot early on, we're going to be talking about that safety next to him all summer long. So probably just the, the springboard to more of this conversation throughout the summer. Guys, enjoy a little time uh, to yourself. We'll do this again next week. And uh, what do you guys have, about a month or so until uh, six weeks or so until six you really get going? Go. Don't cut us short here. We want every one of those. <laughs> yeah, six solid weeks. of Six uh, solid weeks. All right, well, get some rest. Uh, enjoy yourselves. And uh, we'll talk again next week uh, for Episode 12, all right? Hey, sounds good, Joe. All right, thanks for listening, everyone, to Episode 11 of Talk is Cheap on NJ.com.